Father, we just again come to you in uh, the book of Genesis, and uh, today as we look at this uh, fifth and sixth chapter of uh, this great book, Lord, this first uh, fifth and sixth days of your great creation, Lord, I, I just uh, thank you for uh, just the fact that, uh, Lord, you love us so much that that, you know, just the fact that you created this universe, you created this earth, you created the animals, and now, Lord, we, we look at how you created us, and, and you created us to love you, and, Lord, that's what we're, we're made for. Help us to see that, Lord, that we not only have been made out of the dust, that we've, but we've been created to be your children. Father, I just ask that uh, you show us that today, Lord, and uh, uh, put it in our hearts, Lord, to... to see just just what you've done for us and lord help us to be the children you've created us to be help us to be uh like the people you created adam and eve to be it's tough to do in this this fallen world lord that we live in but but uh, we have been given your spirit as children of god lord and we can live the way you've created us to live as your as your children uh loving you and and serving one another lord so we just ask you to teach us these lessons as we Look at this chapter, and uh, we finish up this chapter number one in Genesis. I ask that you uh, bless our study today. I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen. A couple of years ago, uh, uh, Brenda and myself and Kaylee and Eli went to Italy, and uh, we had a, our last stop was in Rome. And uh, the most amazing thing that we saw in Rome, or at least from my standpoint, uh, it wasn't the Colosseum, it wasn't uh, the Pantheon. Uh, the most amazing thing that I saw on my trip, in fact, I, I really say on the whole trip of Italy, the, the most amazing thing that I saw was the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And, and the most amazing thing about that ceiling was the painting that Michelangelo made of God creating Adam. I mean, if you've ever, in fact, you've got a little bit of a picture of that on your bulletin today, but, but uh, just to see that up there on that ceiling, I mean, it is really touching because I, I believe that Michelangelo was on to something theologically there because uh, what he was showing in that picture, in this painting, was God reaching out to touch Adam. And he touched him in order to give him his spirit. Adam had already been made. He had already been made into a human being. He'd been made out of the dust. But at that point, when God touched him, he was given the very spirit of God. And uh, that creation of Adam that Michelangelo depicted in that picture is exactly the picture that Moses paints for us here in uh, Genesis chapter uh, number one, as we get to the latter part of the chapter, we'll see that. But first, uh, that happens on the sixth day of creation. So the first thing we want to do is look at the fifth day of creation and uh, just kind of bring you up to date. God has uh, created the earth uh, out of nothing. Uh, uh, it was vo uh, without form and it was void. And uh, then uh, he created the sun and the moon and the stars and then he created our uh, hydrosphere and our atmosphere and uh, at that point the uh, earth was ready for its inhabitants so on the fifth day we're going to 
see God create the animals, and uh, I mean the fish and the birds, and then on the sixth day, we're going to see him create the animals, and we're going to see him create mankind. Isaiah puts it like this in Isaiah 45, 18. He said, God formed the earth to be inhabited. That's why he created the earth as the home for its inhabitants. And that includes the animals and the fish and the birds and, and uh, mankind. Uh, and I think that's very, a very telling statement because you've got all of these stars out in outer space, and God doesn't say that about any of them. He just says that about earth. He created the earth to be inhabited. And that tells me, and I, for, I could give you a lot of other reasons that I believe this, but that tells me that the earth is the center of the universe. And so we want to look at this, uh, uh, carry on in this creation of the earth and its inhabitants as we pick up in verse number 20 today. Uh, and we look at the creation of the, uh, the uh, fish and the birds. So pick up with me in verse number 20. Then God said, he said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. Now, here's what I want you to see first of all. God's going to make a distinction between plants and animals, between uh, plants and the birds and the fish and the animals and human beings. There's, there's obviously, we know there's a distinction, but he makes this distinction for us right here. Uh, plants are alive, uh, but uh, they don't have a soul. And that's the difference between animals and humans and plants. Uh, we are given, and look at this, he says in verse number 20, he says, God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. That is one word there, that phrase living creatures, is the Hebrew word nephesh. It's often translated soul. And so he's saying, let the waters abound with living souls. And, and these living souls are fish. Uh, and when he says abound there with an abundance, uh, that word abound and abundance literally means swarm. So he says, let the oceans swarm with these fish. So that tells me that God didn't just create uh, pairs of different kind of fish, but that from the very beginning, he created all of these schools of fish. And then uh, he created, he tells us also, he says, and let the birds fly above the earth in swarms across the face of the firmament of the heavens. And so he creates the birds too, and they abound, and I don't believe he creates them in swarms, he creates them in flocks. Now, I, it's interesting to me, when you think about the fish that God has created, I mean, uh, there are a lot of fish that for up until our lifetimes, you couldn't even see those fish. No man had ever seen those fish. But why did God create them? Because God saw those fish. And that tells me something. That tells me that all of God's creation, including the fish and the birds and the animals, they're all very important to God. Now look at verse number 21. He says, so God created the great sea creatures. This is really interesting right here. And every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded, in other words, they swarmed with these sea creatures, 
and they were all created according to their kind. And, and, and every winged bird was created according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Now, the reason, I, the reason I said that those sea creatures are interesting, are very interesting, is that that's the Hebrew word tannin. And if you were to do an English concordance uh, search on that Hebrew word tannin, you would see that more than often it's translated dragon. So, it's, so what he's saying here, God created these great dragons. And I think the word dragon in the Hebrew probably includes dinosaurs, uh, the dinosaurs of the sea we would be talking about right here uh, that are now extinct, but it also includes whales and sharks, those great beasts of the sea that are still around, plus those great beasts of the sea that are now extinct. Now, and, and notice here, again, he says that everything was created according to their kind. Uh, every bird, every sea animal was created according to its kind. And so, uh, fish couldn't become a bird. Uh, uh, certain types of fish couldn't become other types of fish. Certain birds couldn't become other types of birds. There's all sorts of horizontal variations between the kinds, but there's no such thing as a vertical variation where one kind becomes another kind. And we'll talk about that again here in just a minute. And, but God's very clear in that that everything is created according to its kind. And if you look at the fossil records, and if you look around the world today, you don't see kinds turning into other kinds. You don't see it in the fossil record. And if evolution had been taking place all of these millions of years, you would think it would be taking place right now. Some of us would be developing a third eye, or maybe a, 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 people that can't hear very well of of, you know, a third ear, or those of us that, not those, of those, not those of us, some of these men that are losing their hair, they would develop more hair. We were talking about that earlier today. But we're not evolving. If anything, we're devolving. All right, so anyway, look at the next verse here. He says in verse 22, I love this part right here. He says, and God blessed them. You know, we think of God blessing us. But God blessed the fish, and he blessed the birds. And how did he bless them? Look how he blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters of the sea, and let the birds multiply on the earth. Now, he created them in swarms, but, but obviously the seas weren't full at this point, and the skies weren't full of birds. But So he blesses them, and he says, just like he said, let there be light, and there was light, he says, be fruitful and multiply, and uh, this is your job. This is your job to raise more fish, to raise more birds. And this is your blessing in life. This is how you're going to be blessed. You, you ever watch the birds? You know, the birds, the birds take their raising of their family very seriously. We can learn a lot from the birds. When we moved out here to Broussard, uh, uh, we had a couple of little finches that had made a nest up in the attic in our corp carport. They'd gotten through the attic door and they'd gone up there and they made their nest and they had all of these little finches up there. Well, I, they, they had a little crack that they were getting through 
and that was, you know, that was just fine, you know. So I didn't, you know, I didn't close the crack, and I let them raise their birds. But their little birds couldn't get out of the attic. So I'd had to chase and catch all the little birds and throw them out of the attic. So the next year came, and I said, okay, I'm going to shut that attic up where those little finches can't get in there anymore. Well, the next thing I know, I kept seeing those finches flying in and out of our carport. And I looked up there, and they weren't getting up in the attic. They, I have a shelf out there with a lot of junk in it I need to get rid of. But up on top of one of those shelves, they had built a nest in a box for my gas logs. They had built the nest right in that box. And my cats laid there and tried to figure out how they were going to get to those finches. And I, and I wanted to chase the finches away, but I watched those finches every day at the risk of life. You know, the risk of their life, they would come in there and they would feed their little birds until their birds grew up and their birds flew out of, their, out of the, uh, the box, the gas log box. So now next year I can't use the gas logs. I'm going to have to leave the box up there because that's where they're going to build their nest. Their nest is still there, in fact. Uh, so I'll probably leave the nest for them. They won't have to work as hard next year. But, but, but you know what? They understand what they were created for. You know, we could learn a lot from the birds. They're blessed in raising their children. That's their greatest blessing. And I think if we learn to simplify life down to what God's called us to do, then we'll be blessed. And the reason a lot of times we aren't blessed in life is because we make life way too complicated. And if you don't feel blessed by God, then what you need to do is find out what God wants you to do and simplify your life down to doing that. And then you'll, you'll, you'll definitely be blessed. All right, now look at verses 24 and 25. Actually, I missed one, didn't I? I just skipped right over that, didn't I? No, I did do that. So 23, so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So we end the, we end the fifth day now. And we're going now into the sixth day. And look at what happens in the sixth day. Let's read 24 and 25. Then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to its kind. You see that again. You know, God, God was on to something here. He knew how, how, what men would do and how men would try to deny his existence. And they would come up with this theory of evolution. So he just tells people in advance, hey, I've created everything according to its kind. Now you go and show me where I have it. And it's almost like there's a dare here. And, and, and evolutionists can't show you that. There's been all sorts of fraudulent fossils and things that have been presented. But if you look at the fossil record, there's no place where you see a creature developing from one kind to another. The DNA code does not allow it. Again, it allows for horizontal variations, but it doesn't allow for vertical variations where you go from one kind to another kind. The code doesn't allow it. Who created that code? You know, just the fact we have a DNA code tells us there's an intelligent designer somewhere. We know that that intelligent designer is none other than Jesus Christ. But, but he created that, according, he created everything according, every living thing according to his kind. Cattle, and I hate this part, roaches, creeping things, mice, snakes, and the beast of the earth, each according to its kind. He said, let it be. And it was so. Now watch this. He changes tunes here. And God made the beast of the 
earth according to its kind, cattle according to its time. He repeats this again. And everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. He wants you to get that down, apparently. That everything was created according to its kind, and that's the way it will always be created. And God saw that it was good. Now, so what we have here, uh, uh, notice in verse 25. This is what I want you to look at now. He, he says in verse number 25, God made. That's different, isn't it? Up until now, what have we seen? What have we seen God do? God has created everything. And that word create in the Hebrew is the word bara, which means to create out of nothing. But he didn't create the animals. He made the animals. And what did he make them of? He made them out of the dust of the earth. And that's why when an animal, that, that's the word asa, the God made Asa the beast of the earth according to its kind, the cattle according to its time, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And so it's made out of the earth, and when it dies, what happened? It goes back to the earth. And if you were to look at an, the makeup of an animal, you would see that that animal, just like your human body, is made up of the elements of the earth. And just like the animals, when we die, we go back to being dust. Uh, so that's what God is saying right here. All right, now, uh, he, also, he also, what you want to notice right here, is how God divides up the animal kingdom. He does that differently from the way scientists do. We divide it according to amphibians, reptiles, mammals, and insects. God divides it according to, to cattle and to, to creeping things and to beasts. Now, what God is doing, he has he categorized animals according to their relationship with men. First of all, you've got the cattle. Those are all the domesticated animals. That would include cows and horses and dogs and things like that. And then you've got the creepy things that are creepy to men. And I already named some of those. I mean, snakes are the creepiest things in the world. I don't know why God created them. And I think just as bad as snakes are spiders and roaches. I don't know why he created them. They're creepy things. Uh, then he made the beast. Now, what's a beast? That's something that men fear, something that can harm men. So that would include bears and things like bears and, and uh, 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 lions and tigers and things like that. And dinosaurs probably would be in that category because I believe God created the dinosaurs at the very beginning of creation. They weren't created millions and millions and millions of years ago. That's why they are now finding in some locations, they're finding footprints of men in the, in the uh, fossils or near the fossils of, of the dinosaurs. And so uh, we know that man lived at the same time that dinosaurs did. Now, I know some people think, man, you're nuts. I don't believe that at all. Dinosaurs were billions and billions or millions and millions of years ago. Uh, and and then they were destroyed, and then, you know, uh, out of this slime came life, and, out of, and from this life eventually came men. And I know a lot of people believe that. Probably a lot of you in this room believe that. And that's what the scientists teach you. But i got to believe what God says. i got to believe what God says, and I'll tell you what, if you'll open up your eyes, and if you'll start doing some research, I'm not going to do your research for you. And I'm not a scientist. and I can't really help you with that like some scientists can. But you go find some, some uh, uh, creation scientists like ICR is a great group. Uh, in fact, you can write off to ICR in Dallas. You can look them up on the Internet. And they will, for no charge, send you a magazine every week. 
And, and it's a really, uh, not every week, every month, they'll send you a, a magazine. And uh, in that magazine, they refute the evolution, uh, evolutionary account of creation. And especially when they find something, they say, look at this, you know, this is proof of evolution. They'll have an answer to that and a good answer to that. And so, so I highly recommend, again, if you've got a problem with this, that you do your own research. I don't have a problem with it, even if I couldn't prove it. I don't have a problem with it because God said it was done this way. And that's why Genesis is so important. If we don't believe God's account of Genesis, you can't believe anything that God says. I don't care how you want to try to meld the two together. You can't bring evolution into creation. It just doesn't work. It's not in the Bible. You've got to twist the Bible to make that happen. And we've looked at it a lot so far, so I won't dwell on that anymore. All right, now, he made these animals again. Look at this, this, these verses here in 24 and 25. He made them according to their kind. Uh, that means that a cat can't become a dog. And it's impossible for a cat to become a dog because the DNA will not allow for a vertical variation. It will allow for a horizontal variation. That's why you have wolves and you have chihuahuas because you have these large horizontal variations. The, the, the DNA does allow for that, but not for a vertical variation where one kind becomes another kind. And then look what God says. When he made the animals, he saw that it was good. That's the Hebrew word tob. We looked at that before. It means that it was pleasant to God. The creation of the animals was pleasing to God's heart. You know why? Because God cares for the animals. I mean, God, you think PETA cares for the animals. God really cares for the animals. Not as much as he does human beings, but he cares for the animals. I believe with his phileo love, he cares for the animals. I used to read that passage where Jesus said in Matthew 10, 29, he said, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? I used to read that, and I, would, I thought that was a lesson on God's uh, omniscience. The fact that he knows all things, that even a sparrow could die, and God would know that that sparrow died. But I think Jesus meant a lot more by that. I think what he meant by that more than anything else was, that when that sparrow dies, it hurts the heart of God. You know, I, th- I think about all the times I went out with my BB gun and I shot cardinals and sparrows. No wonder I had such a rough time the first part of my life. I mean, I, I think God really cares for those sparrows. I think God really cares for those Cardinals. And I mean, if I see a dead bird, I'm not saying God doesn't want you to hunt because God, is, God has put it in the Bible that, that we're to eat meat. So those, those animals have to be killed at some point. But I think God cares. And the reason the, the death of animals was brought into the world was because of the sin of Adam. And they would have never died if it hadn't been for Adam's sin because God cares for the animal world. And, and he cares for every single animal on this earth. And, and that's, that's the kind of God that we serve, and that's the kind of God that we love. He's a caring God. But we're, those animals aren't near as important to 
Jesus as you and I are. Because listen to what Jesus went on to say. He says, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. Now, some of us have less to number than others. And I don't really think that word numbered means numbered there. In fact, if you look at the Greek word, I think it's speaking of the, the code. The DNA code is in your hair. You could take your, you could take your, your hair and, and send it off somewhere, and they can tell you who your, your great-great-grandfather was now because of the DNA code. You're, you were created by God. He, in other words, he numbered your hairs. He made your DNA. He formed you in your mother's womb. And so he says, do not fear, therefore. In other words, don't worry about things of life if you're a child of God because you are of much more value than many, many sparrows, than all the sparrows in the world. You're valued more than them. Look, if God didn't care for the sparrows very, very much, he might not care for you and I very much, but he does care for them. But in a much more infinite way, he cares for you and me. Now, why does he care so much for us? Because, I know, I say the same thing. Why does he care for me? You know, why does he care for, well, I won't name any names here. <laughs> but, you know, we, we've, in our society... People have almost become like garbage to us. You know, and, and, and I think there's a, you know, a danger as Christians that we look at ourselves as something special and everybody else as garbage. God doesn't see any human being as garbage. Not at all. And, and we're special to God, and there's a reason we're special. Uh, let's uh, look at the next verse. Uh, look at verse number 26. We're, we're different in, in a very wondrous way, and that's what I want you to see here. Look at verse number 26. Then God said, the all, everything's created at this point except mankind. And God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, I, I want you to notice something here right away. Look in verse 26 again. He says, let us not create at this point. What does he say? Let us make. So he made Adam and Eve not out of nothing, he made Adam and Eve out of the dust of the earth. And so we return to dust when we die. We're made out of the elements of the earth. We're, we're, we're made asa, not bara, which is, means to be created out of nothing. But we're infinitely more important than the animals to God because look at verse number 27. He says, so God created, now, now watch this, what's the word here? He creates, that's the word bara, which means he creates out of nothing. So he made us, and then he created us out of nothing, uh, but not without form and void. Look at what it says. He created us in his own image. You get that? We've been, we have been created in the image of, 
of God. In the image of God, he repeats it again, he created Bara out of nothing. Uh, he created him, male and female. He created, he says again, Bara, he created them. Now, why does he use the word Bara here instead of the word made? Because part of what we are, or what we were, we were when Adam and Eve were created and what you become when you become a Christian, we, we are created partially, or we, the created part, I don't want to say partially because it's a full creation, part of who we are is non-material matter. It's the Ruach we'll see in the next chapter. It's the Ruach of God, the breath of God that's breathed into us. And that breath gives us a moral consciousness. Look, Everybody has nephish. Everything that is animal that is alive, a fish has nephish. A, uh, that means he has a soul. A fish has a soul. A bird has a soul. All the, the cattle have souls. The beast have souls. Even those little roaches have souls. They have nephish. They are alive. Plants are alive. But they don't have nephesh. You didn't see them given nephesh when we saw the plants created uh, the day before the animals were created. We didn't see them have nephesh. And so we're created with nephesh. And all the animals have nephesh. They have a soul. They know that they're alive. But they, they're made with the nephesh. I mean, I said created. They're made with the nephesh. But we, mankind is something more special than that. We've been made into, with nephesh. We have a soul. We know that we're alive. We're different from plants. But we've also been created out of non-material matter. We've been given the very ruach, the very breath of God. And what that allows us to do, that allows us to, to, to have a moral consciousness. Now, everybody has every, if you have nephesh, you have a conscience. That the conscience that's built into the nephesh. Look, I have used to have my dogs have all died now, but I remember when we had Jill. Jill had a conscience. I mean, Jill had a conscience. I knew when I came home if she had stolen some food somewhere. <laughs> she had a conscience. I mean, she felt bad about it. She didn't feel bad about eating it. She felt bad about the fact she knew I was going to spank her. When, when I found out, but she would be hiding somewhere and she, because she had a conscience, but she didn't have a moral consciousness. She, when you have a more moral consciousness, what that means is that you can think abstractly. You can think beyond the here and now. And that means that you have the great privilege of knowing and worshiping God. Animals don't have that privilege. You and I have that privilege, and the only reason we have that privilege is because we've been given the ruah. We've been given the very uh, breath of God. Now, Adam lost that in the garden. And there's a lot of people in this world today, and this, I think sometimes we condemn people that we shouldn't be condemning, or we look down on people we shouldn't be looking down on, because they don't have what you and I have. They haven't been given the ruach of God. God chose you and I to receive his breath. We chose him from our conscience, from our nephesh. We knew that we were sinners, and we knew that we needed grace, and we chose God, 
And then we find out that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world to have his ruach, to have the very breath of God. And when we're given that breath, we have the great privilege. This is what sets us apart from all the other animals. We have the great privilege at all the animalistic people in this world, which is what you and I were before we were saved, by the way. We have the great privilege of knowing and worshiping God. And that's why Paul says, I look at no man in the flesh. Because when you look at a man in the flesh, you're looking at the nephesh. A man in the flesh is like an animal. A woman in the flesh is like an animal. We live like animals, and we live in a world where people are more and more living like animals because they have the nephesh, and they're, they're, they're burning that conscience, and they don't want to even think about their conscience anymore, and they're, they're burning it through by ignoring their conscience. They're, they're searing it, and, and so they live like animals. But you and I don't live like animals, and the only reason we don't live like animals is because we've been given the ruach. We've been given the very breath of God. That's why from the foundation of the world, mankind was at the very center of God's plans for creation. Before time began, every person who ever lived on this earth or who will ever live on this earth was written in the book of life. God planned for them to live on this earth. Even those who are vessels of destruction, God planned for them to have life. That was part of his plan before he even created the world. But more importantly, before time began, the children of God were written in the Lamb's book of life. That's where my name's at. I hope it's there. If it's not, I'm in deep trouble. But hopefully your name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If it hadn't been written in the Lamb's Book of Life and all you have is, is the nephesh right now, you have a conscience and you realize that you're a sinner, hey, act on that. Come to the light that God gives you and you'll receive the Ruach. And then you will find out that you were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before time even began. That's why we're given, as he says here uh, in verse number 28, we've been given, or verse number 26, rather, we've been given uh, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps over the earth. You actually have dominion over those roaches, believe it or not, and over those spiders. Don't, I don't know about hornets. <laughs> I've got a hornet's nest we've been trying to get rid of for, for the last month, and I've had Three people try three different things so far, and they are still buzzing out there. I don't know if there's anything that can kill them. They're, they just happen to have their nest next to the power box, so I can't burn them out. So we're trying everything else. And, and uh, if you've got a plan or you'd like to come over there and tack those hornets yourself, come on over this afternoon, and I'll let you have them. Now, that means, what all of that means is that God's plan for you and I, for mankind, is much more important to him than his plans for the animal kingdom. God created you to rule you and me, Adam and Eve, and everybody since. We were created to rule the creation with Christ. The whole creation, not just the earth. You know what I believe? 
I believe God's plan for Adam and Eve and his descendants was much more than just the Garden of Eden. I mean, he planned for them not just to rule the earth, but to rule out in outer space somewhere. He was going to send us off. You talk about exploring space, man. We would have, we would have had a good time exploring space. And, and so ruling the earth was just the beginning. But we know the story, what happened. Adam rebelled against God. He fell in the Garden of Eden. And Adam, at that point, couldn't even rule the earth. He didn't have the ability to rule the earth because he lost the Ruach. He lost the breath of God. And so here's what happened at that very point. The creation, instead of Adam ruling the creation, the creation began to rule Adam. And if you look at the world today, that's what's happening. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm, I'm the captain of my own soul. No, you are the, you are the slave to the creation. You're a slave to your flesh. Adam couldn't at this point, couldn't even rule his own flesh. Hello? I mean, how many of you in this room can control your own tongue? I, I, I'm one of the few then. No. <laughs> I, I, most of the time I am. I, I, traffic excluded. I mean, but we can't rule our own flesh. How are we going to rule some planet out in outer space? But, you know, we've got to be faithful in the small things before God lets us do the big things. Now, here's what I want to look at next. Notice the pronouns here. This is really interesting right here. And you probably look, have seen this before, but look at this. There's all sorts of, or there's a couple of main explanations to this. Look at, look at what he says. Verse number 26, he says, then God said, let us, that's interesting, isn't it? Make man in our image, according to our likeness. So what you have right there are three first person plural pronouns. And I got to ask, you know, why are they plural? I mean, I, I remember the first time after I got saved, I read that passage. I said, whoa, what's going on here? I mean, I'd read that before I was saved. It didn't make any difference to me. But well, after I got saved, I look at that. What does he mean, let us? Well, we know that the angels were there at creation. We know that from the book of Job. And, and so a lot of theologians believe that, that uh, God is speaking here uh, of the angels, uh, that, that the angels were there. And so he says to the angels, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And that's one explanation. Uh, but th that's, that's wrong. I can tell you that's wrong right away. I can tell you that's wrong because nowhere in the Bible does it speak of the angels having any part in the creation. It's just not in the Bible. So, the, so they were there. Uh, granted, they were there, but they had no part in the creation. And we weren't created in the image of angels. So, so this couldn't be angels here. So this plural, there's only one option for this plural uh, usage here in reference to God, and that has to be the Trinity. Uh, these three distinct persons of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, there's, there's, there's no doubt that that's who uh, is being referred to here, but now here's where the problem comes in, and a lot of people just run with this, and you know, yeah, you got three distinct individual personalities of God, 
God the Father's doing this, and God the Son's doing this, and God the Holy Spirit's doing this. And, and I hear that, and I want to cringe. It's what I call hyper-Trinitarianism. My own word. I, don't, I can't find that anywhere else. But it just means you've you, you got a wrong view of the Trinity, in my opinion. You, you, you see the Trinity as three gods, three individual, personal, with own three different minds. This three-headed God is really what you come up with. That's what I would call hyper-Trinitarianism. Uh, and, but here's the problem with this. I mean, if you say this is the Trinity, uh, didn't we, we talked about this last week. We looked at Colossians, uh, uh, John chapter 1, and we looked at Colossians chapter 1, where it says that Jesus, by him and through him and for him, all things were created. So Jesus is the creator of all things. That's what we're told in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, 26, 27 in that range. And that's what we're told in the beginning of, of, uh, of John. And we're told that several places elsewhere, but those are just the two main references that I'll use for that. But Jesus is the creator of all things. Now here's where you bring this together. Also in Colossians, you just come to Colossians chapter 2, it says in Colossians chapter 2, 9, that in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, what, is it, what did Paul mean by that? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in Jesus. So the Trinity, listen to me, and I know I'm going to get some people angry here, and some people are going to even say I'm a heretic, but you're not going to be able to prove me wrong in the Bible, I'm going to tell you right now. You can show me, but you're not going to be able to. The, the, the Trinity is not three individual, distinct persons of God, not in the way hyper-Trinitarians describe him. He's not. I mean, the Shema, it, it, just, it warns you about that. Just like God says here, everything was made according to its kind to warn you about evolution. He, he, he says in the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, not three gods. If, now, now, let's take this logically and apply it to what is being said here in verse number 26. If the Trinity was three distinct individual persons of God with three different minds doing their own thing, and we were created in the image of God, then we would have three distinct personalities, and we would have three distinct minds and souls and spirits. That's, that's hyper-Trinitarianism. We're created in the image of God. We're created in the image of God. That means that we're given a body, a soul, and a spirit. And this is a beautiful picture of the Trinity. Because we're created in the image of God. Who's the body of God? Jesus Christ is God in the body. The, the soul and mind of God is the Father. And the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. But it's one God. Hear, O Israel, your God is one God. So, so is all that clear? All right. So then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our own likeness and let them have dominion over all the animals. Now let's read verse number 28. He says, he says, then God blessed them. I, I love this. God is all about blessing. He blesses them. He gave them Cadillacs. 
He gave them big homes. He gave them all sorts of stuff. I mean, he just blessed their socks off. That, that's the Joel, no, that's the, I can't name names. That's Joel's version, I'll just say that. Then God blessed them and God said to them, here's the blessing, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves. Look, we get a dual blessing. We, we, get, we get a dual blessing in life. We get the blessing of making and raising children, and we get the blessing of jobs. We get jobs. Now, that doesn't sound so pleasant today because we lived in a cursed world, but in Adam's day, to have a job, Adam had a great job. His job was to have dominion over the whole creation, not just the earth, but the entire universe. I mean, he had all sorts of stuff. God had all sorts of stuff planned for him to, to do in eternity in his job. But he also blessed him with the great blessing of making and raising children. Now, a lot of people get this command wrong right here. Uh, they say that when God said be fruitful and multiply, that that means you would better have as many children as you possibly can, can have. You better not take birth control. I mean, you just better have as many children as you possibly can have. Look, I think it's great in a family that has many children. I think it's great for a family that only has one child. Maybe one's not so good, too, at least. That one will get really spoiled, but... But whatever God leads you to have, however many children he leads you to have, that's how many children you want to have. When God gave that command, when he says right here, he says, he says, be fruitful and multiply. That's just like God saying, let there be light. And there was light. What God was saying, I have made you to be fruitful and to multiply. I have, I have given you sexual organs. I have given you sexual drive. And so you're going to, whether you like it or not, you're going to be fruitful and you're going to multiply. I liken that to when, when God told Joshua, he said, be strong and of good courage. He wasn't saying to Joshua, he said, Joshua, I want you to suck it up and I want you to be as tough as you possibly can be because you've got a really tough task uh, ahead of you. Good luck. You know, he wasn't saying that. He breathed on Joshua, and he said, be strong and of good courage. I've made you, I've prepared you to be strong, to be who you are, to be strong and of good courage. And when God says to the Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful and to multiply, I've made you to do that. I've given you that great blessing of, 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 of producing children and raising those children and also having dominion over the entire earth. All right, now, let's look at the next verse, verse number 29. Then God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is in the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit, almost every tree, uh, every tree whose fruit uh, yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Now, I hate to say it, because I really like hamburgers, and uh, at least French fries are okay, but, but I really like, well, I don't know if the, I guess you get oil from olives. We have really healthy French fries in heaven, but, but uh, it looks like God made us to be vegetarians. He also made the animals 
to be vegetarians. Because look at verse number, uh, verse 30. He says, also to every beast of the earth and every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth so in which there is life, anything with nephish, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. And so even the animals, they weren't made as carnivores uh, originally before the fall. That happened after the fall when the earth was cursed. They were made to eat of uh, eat vegetables, greens and things just like we were made to eat. And so animals uh, in, in, uh, in the beginning were not carnivores. Uh, I don't believe they'll be carnivores in the millennium. That's why you see the lion laying down with the lamb. Uh, because they, will, they won't be eating animals. Lions won't be eating animals anymore. And so uh, uh, that's the way it's going to be in the millennial kingdom too, I believe. Don't try that now. It won't work now. Vance Hebner tells a story about a guy who was really convinced we had entered the millennium. I remember back at the turn of the, uh, I don't remember, I wasn't there, but back at the turn of the, the 19th century, as we went into the 20th century, if you look at church history, everybody was saying we had entered the millennium. Things were so great, we had entered the millennium. But I'll tell you what, we haven't entered the millennium. Uh, uh, no way. If you think we've entered the millennium, uh, uh, try putting a, line with a, a lamb, it won't work. Vance Hefner was telling a story about this guy who believed we had entered the millennium, and so he, so he uh, went out, and he bought him a farm, and he was going to bring all the animals together like uh, they do in the millennium, and uh, a guy asked him one day, he says, how's it working out? How's this millennial farm working out for you? He said, well, uh, it's going well for the line, but every morning we have to throw in a fresh lamb, so don't, don't try that. It's not going to work. All right, then verse 31, then God saw, watch this, everything that he had made, and indeed, now watch this, it was very good. It's been very pleasant to God up until now, but now it's exceedingly pleasant to God. Now, you understand why it's exceedingly pleasant to God? It's exceedingly pleasant to God because now the creation is perfect and complete. And what has made it perfect and complete? The creation of Adam and Eve is what has made it perfect and complete. And they were created so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. They were created as the crown jewels of God's creation. Uh, from whose, whose loins would come the children of God. This was God's plan from the very beginning. The children of God who were created, God created us so he could have fellowship with us because he loved us. I mean, he loved the animals. He loved the plants. He loved the whole universe. When he created it, it was good. But now Adam and Eve are there. This is the whole reason, his main reason for, for creating the universe was to create mankind so that he could have fellowship with mankind. But he didn't create us in a way with just nephish. He could create us with nephish, with a soul that was robotic, that just loved him, no matter what we loved him. We were made to love him. I mean, I think dogs are made that way. 
Man, you can kick a dog, you can pull a dog's ears, you can, you can do anything you want just about to a dog, and he's still going to love you. Don't do that. I'm not recommending that. But we weren't made that way. We were made with a choice to either love God, and Jesus said either you love me or you hate me, or to hate God. But God wanted us, every single living being, every single living human being, he created us to have fellowship with him and love him. And we're going to see that as we go into these next few chapters. So there you got it. You got, you got the creation story right there in Genesis chapter number one. And I just want to stop for a minute. And I want you to just, I mean, all of us grew up and, and went to school. And uh, some of us, some of you not through with school yet, but we went to school and we were taught a different story. We weren't taught this story. We were taught that one day there was this big bang. Where did it come from? Nobody knows. But there was this big bang. What does that say right away? That there was no purpose. That the whole thing is one big accident. That's why I keep buying to the Big Bang. Now, if God created with a Big Bang, I mean, it might have banged when he said, uh, you know, he created the earth out of form. I don't think so. I think it was very quiet, very beautiful, and, 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 and a, a very serene experience when he created the earth, and it was without form and without void. But maybe you could believe in the Big Bang if you allow God to do it, but I see it's not there. It's not in the Bible. But, but if, it, if there was a Big Bang, and that's the source of our, the whole creation, then it's, there's no purpose. There's no designer behind it. It's all one big accident. And then we're told that billions and billions of years later on Earth, life began with a small speck of protoplasm, that was created by lightning over the seas. Where did the lightning come? Where did the seas come? I mean, just billions and billions of years made them. Chance made them. By chance. Chance is a word. Chance has no power to make anything. And, and, and from this protoplasm, uh, millions and millions of years passed, and Plants evolved out of this protoplasm. And not only did plants evolve out of this protoplasm, little fishies evolved out of this protoplasm. And one day the fish decided he didn't like it in the sea, so he tried to get on the land. And another one followed him, another one followed him, and another one followed him, and another, I don't know how they were reproducing or where they were finding food. But anyway, they were, they, it was there. And one day he became a reptile. But he didn't like laying on the ground so much, so one day, over millions and millions of years, he kept trying to sprout wings so he could fly. You ever look at a wing? Look, I'm telling you what this, I'm, don't laugh at this. This is in your textbooks. And have you ever looked at the design of a wing and what it takes to fly? You know how we learn to build airplanes? From God's design of birds. These, these lizards didn't grunt so hard that one day they sprouted wings. 
And they flew away. They flew away. And, and, and then some of the reptiles didn't like being lizards. They didn't like being snakes. And so they became, decided to become hair. I wish you could just decide to have hair and you'd have more hair. But it doesn't work like that. A grunt really hard and you get more hair. Maybe they found a formula for, you know, what they call it, Rogan or something, that stuff that sprouts hair, supposed to do that. But they became mammals. These lizards became mammals. And after millions and millions and millions and millions of more years, one of these mammals became a monkey. And that monkey, I don't know where he found his mate, but maybe there were some others wanting to be monkeys too, so they, they became monkeys at the same time. And they wanted to reproduce, so that obviously they reproduced they had their re re reproduction glands too. And they evolved into a man. I want you to think about all of that. If that were true, think about the death. The, you couldn't number it. An infinite amount of death. God would be a God of death. Because for all of these things to evolve over these billions of years, it requires death, 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 death. It's not what my Bible says. God bless the birds. He blessed the fish. He blessed the animals. Because he cared for the animals. So, so look, you want to believe that? You can believe it. But don't tell me that that story describes the work of an all-knowing, all-powerful, loving God. You've got a different God if that's the way he created you. You've got a very different God than the God of this Bible. But I'll tell you what, most people, and many people who call themselves Christians, have bought into that story. And, or some form of that story. And if you believe that story, and I think it's a matter of convenience that people believe it, but if you can believe that story, you can see why this world is in such a big mess. If God didn't make us or create us, then we're nothing more than accidents. We're nothing more than specks of dust in this vast universe. We're meaningless. We're not the apple of God's eye. We're not the crown jewel of his creation. We're nothing. We're nothing. And if God made the universe the way some Christian evolutionists, I don't know if you can, that, that really doesn't go. I, I really got a problem with somebody who can believe that story and call himself a Christian, but there's a lot of them out there. But if God really made the universe the way these Christian evolutionists say he made the universe, then what kind of God is he? He's certainly not the God of the Bible. And if he's not the God of the Bible, then let me tell you what. You can make God into anybody you want, to be, you want him to be. 
You can pick and choose what you like in here and throw away what you don't like. And you can eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow you die. And you're free, everybody's free, to do what's right in their own eyes. My wife was telling me this morning that somebody she knows was flaunting the fact that in Mobile yesterday, they had the drag queen reading time, and it was packed, absolutely packed in Mobile, Alabama. That's a society we have, a society that believes they're nothing more than animals. Amen. Nothing more than, in fact, animals don't do what drag queens do. They have been blessed by God to reproduce the way God created them to reproduce and to raise their children to die for their children. Most of them have. We live in a cursed world. It's not the way it was when God created it. But I ain't seen any drag queen dogs reading to their little puppies. But thank the Lord, that's not God's story of creation. You know, let me tell you his story. Let's rehearse it one more time as we finish up. One day, out of nothing, totally out of nothing, out in the middle of nowhere, he created the earth without form and void, submerged in water, like a child in a mother's womb. He created it. On the second day, he said, let there be light. And then he expanded that water and he made the firmaments. He made the firmament above the earth. He made the firmament around the earth. And he expanded the, the atmosphere and he made the atmosphere above the earth. And then on day three, he moved the sea into place and the dry land appeared. And the plants, he made the plants out of nothing. Out of nothing. And then on day four, he made the stars and he made the sun and he made the moon. And on day five, he made the fish and he made the birds. And on day six, he made the animals. And then he made Adam and Eve. And he said, it is very good. And if it was so very good, then why is this world out of kilter the way it is? Let me tell you what, because mankind, the crown jewel of creation, rebelled against God, and we continue to rebel against God this very day. And God, in turn, has cursed the whole creation. Thank goodness he still loves us. And he still loves this universe. He still loves the animals. He still more, and most importantly, he still loves me and you. And he hasn't given up on us. You know how much he loves us? The great creator left his home in heaven and became the great savior of mankind.
He came to redeem us and save us so that we could have fellowship with him forever. You know, I got to tell you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I'll say it. My wife's going to tell me don't say that. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. I mean, evolution nowhere fits into that, in no way fits into that God's plan, into that story. No way. But the first chapter of Genesis fits it perfectly. Perfectly. And you start messing with chapter 1 of Genesis, I tell you, it's time just to toss it and, 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 and go do something else. Because you're not going to find Christ if you can't believe Christ is the creator. And he created things the way he said he created them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your your, your word, Lord, for your revelation in your word, how you've laid out for us, not in detail, Lord, but uh, the detail that we need to know exactly how you created the universe and exactly how you created the plants and the animals and exactly how you created us. Lord, we just thank you that you chose to 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 create but that you chose to create us not just make us from the dust but to create us as beings that can have fellowship with you you've given us your very spirit lord your ruach so that we can have dominion over this creation and this creation doesn't have dominion over us father i just ask today lord that if there's anyone here that has never received your spirit lord that that they're that they understand that, that they're sinners, they understand that this is a sinful world, they understand that there's something broken about this world, Lord. I ask today that they receive Jesus Christ into their heart. That's a choice anyone can make at any time. And when you breathe your breath on them, Lord, then they will become the crown jewels of creation, too, that they were meant to be. Father, I just ask that... Uh, uh, you continue to remind us of just uh, what a great and wonderful God you are. Lord, the fact that our great creator would become our savior just blows our minds, Lord. You're so good to us, and we just thank you for, for who you are in Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.